Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 635. Well, I'd say owning a small business is like riding a rowboat in a hurricane. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. I'll never worry again about having a dead battery with my NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in my glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that'll jump start a dead battery in my car, boat, truck, or RV. The Genius Boost features built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jump start any of my vehicles. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are built from solid copper for maximum conductivity. There's a built-in ultrabite dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS and emergency strobe. I use my Genius Boost Jump Starter to charge my phone, tablet, and laptop while I'm on the road or if the power goes out in my home. The unit itself is easily rechargeable in my vehicle. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, the battery car source since 1914. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Bob Folkstead. Bob, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am buckled up and ready to roll. All right, great to have you here. Bob Folkstead is the president of Creative Works, a company that specializes in electromechanical integration of RF devices into a variety of applications. Creative Works is the sole importer for General Cab Group of Asti Italy, a company that manufactures GC cooling electric fans and blowers. He and his talented team focus on growing GC cooling fans by integrating the product line that is used by Mercedes-Benz, Volvo, Ferrari, and Maserati in Europe and OEM markets. Bob's background in applied engineering and product design has allowed him to create more than 50 electrical control systems in the automotive industry, and he also holds several patents for tools and firearms, and he's a pilot of small aircraft. So, Bob, I've told our listeners just a tiny bit about you and your company, but you take a moment to share a little bit more about your career and, of course, your passion for automobiles. Sure. Well, my passion for automobiles started when I was very young. I grew up in a family that was really into cars. My father's father uh, had a body shop at home. My dad and my uncle both had body shops. My dad ran one for a Chevrolet dealership. So one side of my family was deep into cars, and the other side was deep into agriculture. Wow. Because I'm from Iowa. <laughs> okay. So my, my mom's father was a uh, mechanical engineer who worked in the experimental department at John Deere, so he was always building everything, and he was more into firearms. So growing up in the country around cars, being able to build whatever I wanted um, really led my career into the automotive with kind of an outside look where I wasn't born in Detroit or wasn't wasn't raised around the cars. I just knew them from a different angle. So sure. it kind of always gave me an edge in the business. Yeah, absolutely. Well, tell our listeners a little bit about your company. So my company, Creative Works, I used to work for Spall. Spall's an Italian company that manufactures uh, like power windows, door locks, and cooling fans. Um, I worked there for about 15 years. I was their director of engineering. They were sold, and when they made the sale, my family's pretty rooted in Iowa. 
and I didn't want to make the transaction and move to Detroit. Hmm. So we started Creative Works. My family owns Creative Works, and we purchased some business from Spall, some ag- agriculture and automotive stuff. So I could design the security systems for FedEx and UPS trucks. I've done some high-end security for like jewelers and people who haul diamonds and fancy wow. watches and things in New York. And I've worked on a, a lot of unique agricultural products that um, allow people to operate the equipment from a safe distance away with radio frequency. So like a remote control to run your grain trailer or grain auger so you can pull up with your semi and unload that semi full of grain. And I've done a lot of automotive and power sports things with Harley-Davidson, with cooling, with Polaris, uh, rebranded Indian motorcycle. I did the push-button start system on that. I've worked on handfuls of of OEM and aftermarket projects. Very cool. Well, I would assume that that uh, love for technology is is something that also led you into uh, flying, because I know you're a pilot. Yeah, my dad's a pilot, and we painted airplanes when I was a kid for a while. Oh, wow. And um, I've always kind of had the aviation bug. Actually, anything that burns dinosaurs bug. <laughs> so cars, motorcycles, airplanes. So, yeah, I'm a pilot. It, it's pretty handy in our business because since we are in Iowa, we have customers in the Dakotas, in Colorado, Nebraska, Oregon. And it's very convenient for me and an, another engineer, a couple of employees, to go visit those customers rapidly in a in a smaller airplane. So oh, gosh. It's, a, it's yeah. a great tool. Oh, yeah. I'm jealous for the rest of us that have to deal with flying these days, which has become such a burden. So uh, very, very cool. Well, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your career and your success. It's also a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Bob, take the wheel. I'd say that the key thing for inspiration for me is not be afraid. So many people are afraid of things. They're afraid of the unknown. Mm-hmm. Sometimes if you just take things head on and don't get overwhelmed with, with the big picture, take little bites and don't be afraid and, and accept that challenge and move forward. Well, it's a great quote, especially for entrepreneurs and people trying new things. And for you working for a company for so long and then branching out on your own, I would assume there was a lot of things you had to learn, a lot of things you had to do, but also there's so many working parts. So how have you incorporated that into the success of your current business? Well, I'd say owning a small business is like riding a rowboat in a hurricane. My best <laughs> yeah. You don't know what's going to happen and what you think is going to happen isn't going to happen. Yeah. So from a product design and, and technology standpoint, I, we were always pretty solid going into it. But you know, running a small business is very challenging with employees, integrating technology in your products. And then the big thing for us is trying to be competitive on a global point of view. So there's some reason you want to deal with Bob from Iowa and not some guy in China on electronics. So really, really trying to get our core technology tight, and affordable, being able to mass produce it and bring it to market and be profitable. Boy, incredible. Well, kudos to you for what you've built, what you've done. Fantastic. Would you share a story with us that instigated your passion for cars? You talk about growing up in a family with Car guys, your grandfather, your father, working on cars and things, painting airplanes when you were young. Is there a pivotal moment, though, as you remember it in your life, when you really realized that you, too, were going to be a car guy? You know, growing up in it, I was always fascinated by antique cars. 
we did some restorations of some old Packards and some really cool old cars. I love Art Deco design, and, and I really, really, really love the design and the feel of the cars, the big cars from the, the 30s. And, and people my age generally, as I'm in my mid-40s, don't have a passion for those cars or, or appreciate that design mm-hmm. to the level I do. And I, I think when I got to work on those cars, probably when I was about 12 to 14 years old, we were restoring a Packard and, and I did a lot of the work on it myself for my dad. And when I was doing that car, I really, really, really fell in love with the mechanical and, and how everything functioned and fit ah, okay. the design. Well, it's interesting because you deal with modern technology. Things have to be so up-to-date, but having a passion for some of the simplicity, is that what drew you towards that, of these old things? You know, I try to put that into the new products. So if you have a technology problem, like with your phone or computer, it can be frustrating. But if you make things kind of seamless and integrate them and, and have some design to it, I think it makes the human interface so much better. So I think appreciating and being around those older elements really helps with designing modern products. Ah. Because let's say I give a product to a farmer. Mm-hmm. That farmer, he might not have any technical background, right? So I'm trying to give him a piece of technology. I need to make it simple and easy to give him the aesthetic so he can just grab it and knows how it works. It's the same thing with when I design some uh, items for motorcycles. I just think of that guy getting on that bike after having a you know, a long ride and he's tired or maybe he had a cocktail or two too many and, and can he operate it safely and, and, and understand how it works. Sure. You know, so I think I think if you take that into your design, I think it really helps. Well, absolutely. My son just graduated from college and he's working at Google now and he's an interactive designer and that's exactly what he has to do is figure out how to make all these complex back-end things be very simple for us front-end users. And especially, you mentioned older people or people that aren't as technically savvy. To make things easier for them to use is oh so important. Otherwise, they get frustrated. They don't even try. So I've taught so many people just how to the simple thing of how to listen to a uh, podcast. They never knew that that button on their phone could get them to so many podcasts and so much information like Cars Yeah here. So uh, I understand exactly. That's fantastic. Well, what I want to do now, Bob, is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and ask you to share a huge challenge, even a big failure that you faced along the way in your career, in your business. Of course, the most important part of this isn't so much the failure, but how you overcame that situation, what it taught you so you could move forward. So take us to that painful moment in time, but then Walk us through how it helped you improve. Big challenge. Big challenge <laughs> would be. <laughs> I faced several of these. Probably the biggest thing that I did that was self-created, that was was kind of a monumental thing to me, as we were at the uh, performance racing show. And I don't know if you're familiar with that show mm-hmm. or not in Indianapolis. I, I've been to it several times, yeah. I was working with Ford on some projects, and they were offering some vehicles, basically, for project vehicles to build it. One of my coworkers and I go, you know, I think we can set a world land speed record and go to Bonneville. And oh, wow, <laughs> we got this cockamamie idea. We had racing experience. So I'd worked with the NASCAR teams and, and a little bit with some European racers and, and different things in the U.S. But I didn't really have any Bonneville background. And we set out and we built a truck a Ford Ranger truck to go to Bonneville and we set the timeline up basically so it was almost self-destructive. So we, we started on the project like in May. We were racing in the middle of August. I was going to say, wait a minute, May? Bonneville's in August. That, that's not much time. Yeah, it was about two months. 
by the time you got the vehicle here, kind of got it stripped, and we started building it to racing was about two months. Wow. And it was a a major, a major, major, major challenge. Yeah. I mean, and that, that's, that's the whole driveline and, and getting the thing set up and, and then going out there, and then we, we set a record in, in our first try out there, and then we uh, went back in October to the World Finals at Bonneville and then bumped our own record with another driver. Wow. And then we went back out like five years. We put the truck in mothballs, and we went back out five years later and repowered it with a diesel engine and then uh, bumped and set all those records, and I think we ended up setting three more records on top of that. So, like, five records total at Bonneville. Oh, my gosh. With really no experience. Wow. So, I'd say that was a challenge. Uh, yeah, I think so. Oh, my gosh. We still have the record, too. Do you really? Oh, well, congratulations. Yeah. Wow. So, if you look up the diesel truck, diesel pickup truck record, I think it's still in there at, like, 218 miles an hour. And it was a Ford Ranger with a 6-liter Ford diesel in it. Oh, my gosh. What's the takeaway from that challenge that you set for yourself? Because, yeah, self-inflicted is a good way to put it. What's the takeaway you could share with our listeners that you learned from that self-induced pain, if you will? Life's short, and if you don't take control of it and uh, really set your goals high and work hard, you're not going to get much out of life. Yes. And and I think that a lot of people, kind of one of the my pet peeves in life is people that play video games for days on end. <laughs> yeah. They're not really accomplishing or doing anything other than entertaining themselves and their TV. You need to get out there and do something and set your marks. So, you know, to have really no racing experience, to build a vehicle in that short of time, go out there and and beat records that were, you know, the first record we beat was GMC's record that Gail Banks had. Yeah. And then to go bump uh, a Dodge record that Gail Banks had set and then get the overall fastest pickup in the world at that time record. Just a couple of rednecks from Iowa, I think it was a pretty big accomplishment for us. <laughs> well, <laughs> congratulations. I think you're a little bit more than that, obviously. But you know, I've had uh, several guests here on Cars, yeah, that are Bonneville racers and several uh, photographers are Bonneville photographers. Danny Thompson comes to mind, the son of, of course, the famous Mickey Thompson. And Danny was just out on the salt again this last month, uh, two months ago now, uh, setting some records at a very uh, elderly age. I won't call him elderly or he'd come over here and smack me, but uh, definitely true. And I had another guest on the show that set a record there on a motorcycle and he's blind. So you're another great example of taking a chance, putting your neck out there and uh, setting a goal and achieving it. That's fantastic. Congratulations to you and your team. I want to shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call a career aha moment. It's one of those times when a a new idea comes to mind or your illumination happens down the roadway towards a new path. Tell us the steps you took to turn that that big aha moment into a success. Well, I was faced with this challenge. The company I worked for was you know, making a huge transition. And, and and I really didn't want to move to Detroit because of my family. I didn't want to uproot my, at that time, it was probably a 10-year-old son. Mm-hmm. So the, the aha to, to open my own company and, um, you know, start it from nothing, really without being capitalized the right way, that aha to do it took some big kahunas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I've fought it and struggled it in every way possible through successes and failures. And, and we've done... We've had bountiful, great years, and, and you know, right now the ag market's pretty weak, so mm-hmm. this year's a little skinny. But um, being forced into my aha moment, I guess, is is, is more than what happened to me, and then making the decision to do that, and then yeah. then drive it forward. I mean, we rented a 
a little tiny shop, and now we got about 20,000 square foot, and we own everything. So awesome. it's, it's kind of a big, big feeling of accomplishment that I don't sit back and look at. Everybody else sees it, but when you're in the middle of it, you don't, you don't feel it like other people see. Oh, of course. There's that famous line that he was an overnight success. It only took 20 years of overnights to get there. So, um, yeah. yeah, I think that was a Willie Nelson quote or something like that. But, uh, well, kudos to you. And I think, again, the takeaway here for those listeners out there that are thinking about taking that big leap, uh, you said it before, you just got to do it. You just do it. Now, definitely it helps if you're capitalized the right way, but so many people really aren't. They just started out of a garage, a small shop. Jeez, that's how Apple, Hewlett Packard, a lot of these huge companies started was in a small garage with a dream, and they just worked their tails off. So, again, kudos to you for doing that. How about proudest career moments, proudest business moments? I would assume you've had many throughout your success, but is there one in particular that stands out you could share with us? I think the big proud moment's going to happen in about two weeks for us because um, as we grew in the electronics, we never really promoted ourselves much out of the uh, the Midwest um, for us to have our own booth at the SEMA show this year, oh, even cool. though I've exhibited mm-hmm. there 15 times mm-hmm. this fall. Um, to have our own booth and, and to really be independent on our own, I think is going to be a, a great accomplishment. The other proud business moments of mine are some of the patents that I've designed products for and received, whether it's for, I designed a toolbox locking system for Snap-on and have a patent. I've got, I think, four firearms patents, a bunch of trademarks, a bunch of copyrighted stuff. Those are all big all the work that goes into those and, and getting those. And, and not just a patent on something that really isn't a big deal, but something that's that's really cool and really innovative. I think that is the proudest business moment or moments for me. Sure. Well-deserved. Well, I'll have fun uh, seeing you at SEMA. This will be my 26th year attending SEMA. I've been to a few of those, walked many a hall there at SEMA. So I will look forward to stopping by your booth and getting to shake your hand, uh, meet you face-to-face. And today's really the first time we've ever talked to each other. So congratulations for that. That's a big, big move for sure. You're going to find it to be a fantastic experience, although you've been there so many times before. Now you're going to be on the other side of the desk, though. So uh, at least your own desk, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. Let's have a little bit of fun and go back in time again. I'd love for you to share your first really special car. I, I would assume you probably had lots of fun cars, but the first one that really had a lot of meaning to you and maybe share a memory you have of that vehicle. You know, this is going to sound really weird because from all the cars that I've owned and worked on and built, the first one that I really, really liked, I had a, I think it was an 86 Mazda pickup truck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's pretty simple. <laughs> It sounds it sounds corny. I was in an automobile accident. I had a Jeep like CJ7, and and I totaled it when I was in high school. And then I bought this Mazda pickup wrecked, and I rebuilt it myself. So I had a lot of self accomplishment in, in rebuilding that truck. And that's when that lowrider mini truck craze kind of started oh, yeah. in the in the mid '80s. So I lowered it and put custom wheels on it. And I painted it myself, and I probably because of my age and you know being less distracted then, I probably had more fun and did more with that little pickup truck that I went on and sold when I was in college, but I probably had more fun with that damn truck than I had any other car. <laughs> you know, it's, probably because of everything you put into it. That's why, you know. Well, it's because you're, you're put into it, you're young, you know, it's like the first vehicle I really painted all myself, yeah. and I did all the mechanical work to it, and I was extremely proud, you know, I was wanting to go to any car show I could go to, I was super enthusiastic, 
you know, and I was willing to try different things as we had the, you know, with my dad having a shop, I had the capability to kind of do what I want. They grounded me a couple times from it because they said I was getting too radical with my truck ideas. <laughs> my, my dad told me I didn't work there alone anymore. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Well, the youthful excitement. Well, that's fun. I think you're the first one who picked that vehicle as your first special vehicle. So you're well, definitely cheesy. unique. <laughs> Yeah, I had a 55 Chevy and I had a like a 70 um, Oldsmobile 442 convertible when I was in high school. I had a, a newer Jeep, so I had plenty of cars. And, you know, I was always fixing them and reselling them and doing that because that's kind of the mode you get into when you're in your family's in that business. Sure. But the damn truck I had more fun with than anything, probably. <laughs> Good for you. Well, how about the old seller's remorse story? Is there a vehicle you've owned and let go that you really wish you had back? There's one in particular that I was really, I still kind of regret what happened to it. I needed some money, so I borrowed some money from my stepdad. And I had a 64 Nova hardtop that I was in the process of restoring. And he thought he'd teach me a lesson. And, and I was late by about a week paying him back, and he sold the car out from underneath me. Oh, ouch. The bank, the tough banker. Yeah, it's burned my ass. So I lost about a, he sold it for about 4500 and I borrowed 500 bucks. So... And he kept the difference. <laughs> Taught you a lesson. I've remembered that forever. Yeah, those lessons sting, but they stick with you, don't they? Oh, they do. They, they You never do that deal again. No, no. Uh, tough love. <laughs> yeah, but, definitely. Uh, wow, wow. Yeah, that was probably the car that I, and I've been trying to find it because I know it's still here in our state, but huh? I've had terrible luck finding the exact one. I found a couple of them, but not my old one. Okay. I'll get it back one of these days. Well, I had a guest on my show uh, a while back. His name is Ed Bolian, and his company is VinWiki. And uh, he has a company where they find cars based on VIN. So I'm going to connect you with him, and maybe that's a way. If you still Do you know what the VIN was on that vehicle? Do you have any old paperwork? I don't. I need to look it up, and I was going to do some searching with the state, but I just wasn't ready to commit to that level of finding the car. Plus, <laughs> I got other cars now. I mean, it's, it's just one of those. You asked what my regret was in my yeah. special car. So that's my remorse. Sometimes it's best to just leave those past behind you and let them go away. So, But we'll see. We'll see. You have to uh, check up with me if you do end up finding that car. Well, let's talk about today and tomorrow. Now, you talked about taking your company to SEMA for the first time. That's very exciting. But what are you guys working on today that have has you very excited and really fired up? You won't believe it. Yesterday, we just finished restoring an Airstream trailer for a friend of mine. We're oh. going to use it for hospitality for our company and hospitality for his company. So nice. If you're ever bored and want to wet sand an Airstream, I suggest <laughs> that uh, you'll have, have no fingerprints for the rest of your life. Oh gosh, that's a tough one. Yeah. So that was that was a a project that you know we just did, and that was that was kind of fun. I mean, we just finished it last night, and I restored an, an Alpha. I, I have a kind of a passion for Italian cars, so my wife has an, an Alpha Spider and an early 70s one. Got the stainless bumpers and stuff, so it still looks cool. Sounds like an exciting project. Wow, fantastic. Here's a very introspective question for you, Bob. If you were a car, what kind of car would Bob be and why? I don't want to say I want to be an SUV because I really am not an SUV person, but I'm pretty versatile. So picking a car, picking a cool car, I'd be one of those new Ferrari wagons. Oh, gosh, okay. Now that's a jump from an SUV to a Ferrari FF. <laughs> well, I have a little utility, but I'm pretty sporty and fast and get things done. So, oh, okay. There you go. I mean, you're asked the question. So if I had to pick the car I am today, 
I would probably be one of those Ferrari wagons because I've I've got the the fire back. When you start a company, sometimes you go through these cycles where you're gung ho and then you kind of go on cruise control for a while. But I'm pumped for SEMA. I'm uh, pumped for the direction of our company right now, and I'm hauling butt. So I'd say that <laughs> new Ferrari wagon. There you go. Very nice. Well, Bob, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's cars. Yeah, sponsors. Everyone who knows me knows I'm really picky when it comes to my cars and keeping them looking new. I'm a huge fan of Covercraft floor mats. I've protected my vehicle with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft floor mats. They will protect your vehicle's factory carpets from daily abuse, weather, pets, children, weekend adventures, and those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and stylish way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft floor mats come in a wide variety of styles, materials, and configurations, all designed for maximum protection. In addition to Premier Plush and Berber Custom Floor Mats, you'll also find cargo liners, canine cargo area liners, dash covers, and sunscreens. Enhance your vehicle's looks while protecting the factory finishes with easy-to-install and easy-to-clean floor mats. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them market Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. Okay, Bob, we're back, and we're entering the last lap, and I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? If you want to be a race car driver or build a race car, throw 100000 on the table, light it on fire. If you flinch, you don't have enough money. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that before. Although these <laughs> days it's about a million dollars just to start. But, oh, yeah, that's a painful part of racing for sure. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your success? I'm very meticulous when I build and design things. So, So taking that detail and thinking it through from the beginning and then working that plan really helps you be successful in, in working on the car or in a business. Yeah, there's a key. Develop a plan and work that plan. So important. Now, how about a resource? There's lots of great resources out there, but is there one or two that you think the Cars Yow listeners would enjoy like you have? You know what I find is a great resource that most car people never do is, is go to McMaster com because of all the little things they have for cars that really aren't car parts on there. So if you need like weather strip for some old car and you're hunting around and you can't find it or little rubber stoppers or, or different things if you're machining or fabricating, they've got end mills and drill bits. And that's an underutilized website by mm. car people. Mm. Everybody wants that car specialty tool from that car specialty company. Well, they buy a lot of their stuff from McMaster. So I'd go. go there and take a look at it. Yeah, great website. Yeah, a fantastic uh, resource, McMaster, for sure. Now, how about a book? Is there a book that you've read that you think our listeners would enjoy? I just read a great book that is not so car-related, but it was by uh, 
Catherine Hall from Hall Vineyards in Napa. Mm-hmm. It was really about the struggles they've had in their uh, their vineyards and, and what they've had to overcome with whether it's nature or politics or cash flow. Mm-hmm. And man, it really applies to a lot of a lot of different businesses and a lot of different things. So whether you're getting frustrated rebuilding or restoring a car or running your business or a farmer, that book really applied to it. I read it about about three weeks ago. It was a great book. What's the title? It's called A Perfect Score. Ah, okay. The Art, Soul, and Business of a 21st Century Winery. Fantastic. Well, great. That's the first time that book's been recommended here. And listeners, you can find links to all these great resources Bob has shared with us on his very own show notes page at carsyad.com slash Bob Folkstad. Bob's last name is spelled F-O-L-K-E-S-T-A-D. And there's another great place on the Carsyad website called Guest Recommended Books, where this book and the past 634 guest books are listed for quick, easy clicks to buy. Fantastic resource for you there. All right, we're up to the checkered flag, Bob, and this last question can be a bit of a doozy. If you could have only one collector car in your garage, but money's no object, I'll buy you any car you'd like today. What would that vehicle be, and more importantly, why? You know, I think I already own it. Oh, well, lucky you. (laughs) I really like those late 60s, early 70s Alfa Romeos. They're fun, sporty cars. They're affordable. They're a little challenging to work on, but it keeps you tuned as a mechanic. And I think that would be the collector car that I would keep. And you've already got it. So which model, year and model is that exactly? I have a 71 Spider. Spider. Okay, cool. Well, you made things easy for me today. I appreciate that. Uh, not picking that Ferrari GTO that's going to break the bank. So uh, <laughs> They're temperamental. I don't like the dual distributors. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, it's Italian. So, uh, yeah, it's the way it is, but uh, fantastic cars. Oh, they're awesome cars. It's yeah. just they are, uh, you know, money no object if you have an Italian mechanic all the time. <laughs> and yeah. pure love. And the problem with those cars is, to me, is they don't get exercised enough, really. Yeah, yeah. And that really tends to premature wear on the whole vehicle. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's nice that you have your dream car. I love it when I talk to guests that have their dream car because that means they've made it in that respect. Uh, Very, very cool. Well, Bob, you've taken me on an awesome ride today. I've really enjoyed learning more about you and Creative Works, your business. I look forward to seeing you at SEMA. I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey with the Cars Yow listeners. Would you offer us one parting piece of guidance before you head off down the road in that 1971 Alfa Romeo Spider? Sure. Like I said, don't be afraid to uh, to dive in into what you're going to do head first and uh, make your plan and work the plan. I mean, as a business guy, I sat I sat down yesterday and wrote what I'm going to do for the next three weeks and detail it out. And then if you don't hit those goals, stay on top of it, stay late, work your ass off, and and make it happen. It's that simple, listeners. <laughs> work your ass off. That's for sure. What's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and your company? You can go to our website, gccooling.com, or you can look us up on Facebook. Just go under GC Cooling or Creative Works, and it works with E-W-E-R-K-S. There you go. Well, listeners, you can find all these great links at his very own show notes page on carsyad.com. Just type Bob in the search bar, and his page will pop up with all those links. And if you're going to be at SEMA, check out his booth. Stop by and say hi and say, hey, I heard you on Cars Yeah. I'll be there saying hello to Bob. Can't wait to see you there. Thanks for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with the Cars Yow listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Mark. I appreciate it, and I hope to see you at SEMA. 
booth number 70,000. 70,000. Wow. I'll see you there for sure. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.